the English language possesses a magic power to invent words that intend contradictory things. Perhaps you know the kind of thing I mean. The word subject that means both object, as in subject matter, and agent, the subject of a sentence, or sanction, that can mean both to prohibit and to endorse, or priceless, that refers to something so valuable it cannot be priced, and so common and ordinary that it does not deserve a price, or perhaps closer to home, profession, that refers on one hand to someone detached and skilled, a consummate professional, we say, and on the other to one's deepest commitments and existential truths, a profession of faith. I suppose the richness of English as a literary and intellectual language turns on its power to refer at once to such contrary and expansive worlds. Confession, I think, is just such a word, and its ambiguity underscores just how rich, how priceless this term is for Christians. Today we honor the Confession of St. Peter, and our scripture lessons this morning provide us with one vivid narrative definition of that word, to confess, to testify, and to witness to the transcendent truth of reality itself. Sandwiched between the sign of Jonah and the transfiguration, our gospel lesson this morning is the axis on which the passion turns, the encounter that begins the solemn procession to Jerusalem and to death. It is the hour of Peter's confession. In one way, confession is just what the chief of the apostles does this day. At Caesarea Philippi, Peter confesses affirms and discloses and testifies to the truth that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, the Anointed One of Israel. So profound is this truth, so shattering of the ordinary course of things, that the Son of Man tells St. Peter that flesh and blood cannot reveal such things, but only Christ's Father in heaven in response to this direct challenge, but who do you say that I am? Peter reveals a truth that undoes the very order of flesh and blood. It establishes a foundation, a rock on which the church can be built. And Simon Bar-Jonah becomes Petros, Peter that day. Perhaps for this reason, Christ instructs the College of Disciples to not reveal or to confess to others that Jesus is the Messiah of God. Perhaps this truth is so revolutionary, 
so demanding, so foundational, and so startling that divine disclosure alone can properly confess, testify to this reality. Each of us here stands in St. Peter's shoes. We enter this chapel, we come before this altar, we follow this call because the Lord Christ at an hour of his own choosing demanded our answer to this question, who do you say that I am? Each of us knows one form of an answer to that demand. We see in Jesus Christ one of the prophets of Israel, or we notice his similarity to John the Baptist, or we see in him the herald of the end times, a preacher of the last days. Or perhaps we give an answer that speaks in modern idiom, too. Christ is the stranger, the alien or the immigrant in our world. Or he is the lowly one, the unnoticed, the passed by the least. Perhaps he is the advocate, the proclaimer of a new just order, the emancipator. Or perhaps he is the one who loves and gives to the end the costly sacrifice that enters into the terror of our sin-sick world and falls down under the heavy hand of death and cruelty. We might answer in any of these idioms, and certainly we would be right, but this would not be a confession. It would not be our testimony wrenched out of our own life, unmistakably ours, and disclosed not by flesh and blood, but by the Lord's own almighty hand on our lives. To answer Christ's question with this kind of testimony is to confess, as did St. Peter in that journey outside the Gentile world of Caesarea Philippi. It is to wrestle with the Lord's herald at the Jabbok, broken and blessed by this struggle at night, the question that will not let us go until daybreak. It is to make our very lives the answer to Christ's question. But confession is a strange word that also means repentance, regret, apology, acknowledgement. And St. Peter confesses at Caesarea Philippi in that sense, too. We do not read in these morning lections of the protest lodged by St. Peter immediately following his testimony to Christ's anointed sonship. But that protest is vital to understanding just what St. Peter's confession amounts to. Indeed, the Greek word translated rebuke or censure seems another one of these odd, contradictory words, as it signifies both to honor and to reprove or protest. And you can see why this ambiguity seems exactly right 
in the challenge of this hour. For you remember that Jesus, directly after hearing that good confession from Peter, begins to teach of his own destiny, that this Son of Man will suffer many things, undergo rejection by priest and bishop, be killed, be put out of the way, declared an enemy of the state. Such things must not happen to you, Lord. The protest breaks out of St. Peter in an anguish of fear and astonishment. Now, flesh and blood do not reveal this confession to Peter either. Jesus turns to him, turns on him. Get behind me, Satan. Peter thinks not according to heavenly things, but to earthly things, the realm of flesh and blood. The human scale heart thinks such things, fears such things. Suffering and rejection cannot be the destiny of this son of the living God. That is Peter's confession outside Caesarea Philippi, too. The story of Peter's life is an unfolding of his repentance for this protest, a confession that he could not see. And at an hour of danger in a bishop's courtyard at night, he could not bear to confess that Jesus was his master, his Lord. The fourth evangelist gives us an elegant and highly symbolic resolution to this life of contrition that Peter carries into the day of resurrection. By the Sea of Tiberias, the risen Christ confronts the penitent Peter and commands from him a threefold obedience to ministry in Christ's church, to feed, to tend to shield Christ's flock. But we need not turn to the end of John's Gospel to see that St. Peter will, over his whole life, confess his fleshly blindness to Christ's destiny in Jerusalem. In the letter attributed to him, St. Peter concludes his advice to the elders, the presbyters, in this young church with these telling words. Now, as an elder myself, and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge. Here is another truth to be revealed, another apocalypse, well beyond the realm of flesh and blood, that the feeding of the flock entrusted to us is laid upon us not only by the glory that will be revealed, but also by becoming witnesses, martyrs, to the sufferings of Christ. St. Peter now makes a second good confession, not rebuking, not protesting, nor fleeing the destiny laid upon the Son of God, but rather bearing it, accepting it, testifying to it, 
as the one who now knows that ingredient in the life of the Son of Man is suffering, this beloved of God. It is ingredient, too, in the lives of those who follow the Son of Man. St. Peter confesses both truths in this letter to the leaders of those believers. He now repents and witnesses to Christ, the suffering man of sorrows. This, too, is ingredient in our own answer to Christ's question to us. When we confess the answer to his question, who do you say that I am? We embrace within our testimony the knowledge that we remain witnesses to his way of the cross. We too must take up our cross and follow. Knowledge of Christ and knowledge of the cross belong together. So how will we testify to this knowledge? How will our lives show forth that we, too, are witnesses to this pathos of the Son of Man? How does the name Christian disclose the claim on us of the one who through himself, though himself rich, became poor for our sakes? and gave himself a ransom for the many. We stand at Caesarea Philippi this day. How will we answer Christ today? Who is he, not just for others, but for us? Our Lord waits on our confession. May the Father who is in heaven break open our hearts and lips to answer the claim of the Son of the living God. Amen.